This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Code Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler, and it's a beautiful day in medical education. I'm joined today by M4 Arisa Mahapan. Morning. M1 Nick Lund Lind. Hi, Dave. <laughs> M1 Dave. <laughs> M1 Madeline Slater. Hello. And uh, hopefully we'll be joined by another person. I, I, won't, I won't name that person in case they don't show up. I, I don't, you know, like. Don't want to shame them publicly. <laughs> yeah. Well, usually I do, but today I decided yeah. to be discreet. Really? Way to go, Dave. Way to grow up. It's a new, it's a new leaf for Dave. <laughs> yeah. Phew. Anyway. Uh, but I wanted to start before we uh, get right into it. I wanted to thank all of those people who picked up SCP t-shirts, uh, including Catherine, Sarah, Joseph, Cassie, Edward, Casey, Lucille, Luke, Kylie, Garen, and congratulations on starting the next part of your journey to Dr. Lynn, Garen, James, Carl, Tony, Stephanie, Justin. Hopefully there will be others very soon. Thank you so much for being awesome. Go get your shirt at the shortcode.com slash store. The proceeds for our merch. We'll go to the National Alliance on Mental Illness at the end of this semester. Whatever we take in this semester, we'll give it to NAMI. Um, I've got a listener question from... Oh, wait. What's this in front of me? What is, what's this, uh, what's this <laughs> substance in front of me? It's really hard to yeah. tell. Yeah. <laughs> it might be a little hard to tell, but it's where it's safe. Um, so I was back home just re- um, recently, and I decided to bring back for you guys' enjoyment um, some little just treats that I grew up with, and that I'm not sure if you can find them here. So. Ba- back home being uh, San Diego? San, so you're right. Mm-hmm. San Diego. Yeah, but these hand-carried back from Bangkok. So. Oh, we've got, <laughs> so we've got two treats here. Yeah. What, what is this first one? Yeah, so you guys want to take a sniff of it or try and try to eat it. Careful, there is a pit oh. inside. Okay. Huh? Oh, that's good to know. Uh, oh, yeah. But it smells... It smells good. It smells yeah, like, it smells, uh, it smells a little bit like uh, yeah, uh, sugar. Yeah. Burnt sugar. <laughs> which is a good... It smells like dates or something. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. All right, dates. well, I'm going to give this a try. Well, what this is, it's like a dried and plum, pickled, spice, mm. and salted. It's you know, mm-hmm. that's not bad. Yeah, I, I like, like the it. salt. It really helps bring out... It's extremely mm-hmm. flavorful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're I'm so, going to try not to chew directly into the microphone. Mm. Do it, man. Sorry, just, and if you lean over here. Mm. Thank you. Those look like Tums. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> close. They they do contain calcium. No, oh, there. Yes. It, <sighs> Sorry. You're good. And here, you could just, <laughs> just take. Yeah, so that's called boy. It's, um, I think it's, um, it's pretty common throughout Asia. I've been eating it since I was little. And, um, mm-hmm. Some brands actually contain a food coloring that has not been approved by the FDA. This is not one of those brands, so it's perfectly huh. safe to eat. Good. In fact, one of the other things I was going to bring is ha- is haw flakes. It's just flakes made out of pressed, dried haw um hawberries or haw fruit, whatever the heck they are. I was going to bring some, but then like it was all over the news that they contain industrial red dye instead of food dye. So mm. I decided not to. Okay, I don't. Mm-hmm. What I don't hate this. 
Yeah, they <laughs> they like they well they're, they're Neko like, wafers. Okay, are so like they they oh, yeah they yeah. start yeah. off. Mm-hmm. So these are called what? Um, nompong. Nompong. Um, basically just pressed milk powder and oh, right. I was gonna say, it makes sense. creaminess I was like, to it. Yeah. Like, now it makes cheese. And it's now it makes from the royal pa- from the royal palace or royal palace's companies, whatever. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't mind it. It starts off with a very Tums like, um, <laughs> yeah, texture. Yeah, and then it blossoms into the fullness of milk. Yeah, yeah, with, with a little this, cheesy mm-hmm. cheesosity. Yeah, like a little when I smelled flavor. it, I, I got like a little mm-hmm. cheesy smell. Yeah, it oh yeah, smells like cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> smells. <laughs> but totally. it doesn't really it, taste it, like cheese. It smells like. The craft packet of macaroni, yeah. like for like macaroni and mac. cheese, when you open Heartbreak. it, that's what it smells like. That's not a, no. that's a neutral smell. That's not yeah. a bad thing. Okay. But it it tastes good. Yeah. yeah. Are you uh are you lactose intolerant like many late Asian people are? Um, technically I am, but I haven't let that stop me for the last few decades. Okay, so fair I yeah. am lactose intolerant, but I drink milk anyways wholeheartedly okay. yeah so these actually come in different flavors like um chocolate and when i was little i used to buy them in strawberry flavor too but i haven't seen that one in like decades okay. so i don't know where that one went how many decades old are you um <laughs> <laughs> Just, um she, she ages well she's actually 65 65 uh well thank you for bringing those that was interesting yeah i'm thanks. glad you guys like them yeah uh, we've got a listener question from Ryan who needs help on a class project. Hopefully we can give him a little hand. Are we allowed to do this? <laughs> Hello, my name is Ryan and I have been a listener for only about a month now. I recently received an assignment from my genetics professor to find and review a genetic disease or issue that is being studied in a full lab write-up including intro, material and methods, results, discussion. I remembered in one of your old podcasts to talk about individuals showing a lower count in their Y chromosome after smoking, however I could not find a report that I had access to. I was wondering if you guys had any other interesting ideas that I could try out. Thanks for the input and I really love the show. You're welcome. Um, I did reply with one to your email with one possibility, but um, I don't think that's the right one. I think um, LJ Agostinelli... Uh, remembered another article we talked about that I think is probably more likely the one you're referring to. I'll put a link to it in this episode, show notes at theshortcoat.com. But uh, if you want to find it, the article is in Nature, uh, at nature.com, and its title is Mosaic Loss of Chromosome Y in Peripheral Blood is Associated with Shorter Survival and Higher Risk of Cancer. Kind of work on these titles, science people. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, so, but the gist of it is that, you know, we've known, I, I guess... I've known <laughs> for a long time that the loss of the Y chromosome in blood cells is common. Uh, what that loss means for an individual's phenotype wasn't known. The study found that the loss of Y or LOI chromosome is associated with risks of all-cause mortality, non-blood cancers. It could explain the elevated rates of sex unspecific cancers in men compared to women. Mm. Of course, that means the Y chromosome is more important uh, than just for sex determination. So uh, that's interesting. Do you guys know of any other genetics related things that Ryan could, uh, or studies that Ryan could uh, look at for his project? 
Um, I'd be the wrong person to ask. I work on the exact opposite of the age spectrum, so. No, I, I mean, it doesn't have to be age, but any, any genetics related um, mm. things that he could look into or things that you've uh, read about. Um, well, I'm really putting you on the spot here. Mm. We were just talking about Ehlers-Danlos. Yeah. Yeah. And is lecture. The, is that the uh, connective tissue disorder? Is that something? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sure yeah, is. yeah. <laughs> so we had a patient who uh, had a vertebral artery dissection. and uh, It was a case study that we were working through yeah. the last couple weeks. And so, so this is because their connective tissue that the artery is made up of wasn't, isn't strong enough uh, due to congenital defect. Basically, yeah. The, yeah, the inner lining of the blood vessel like separated from oh. the outer wall, which basically just caused turbulence and more likely for clots, clots. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You'll find that elder standards people are actually more prone to aneurysms and like valve, valvular mm-hmm. defects and all, su- and all sorts of diseases in that category. Mm-hmm. What's the gene that's mutated called again? It's been a while since step one. There's a few of them. Is it elastin, um, fibrillin? No, not fibrillin. It, the one uh, for the vascular type is coal something. I can't remember. Mm. But for collagen. The test uh, is over. Anyway. So. Yeah. Oh. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no need to retain that information. <laughs> yeah. information. You can look that shit up later. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we're full of ideas for you, Ryan. Um uh, yeah, it it can be hard uh, if you're if you're unable to uh, get access to uh, journals and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, although I would say that if you're an undergrad, it would surprise me if you couldn't um, if you couldn't get access to mm-hmm. journals uh, in some way through the through your. Yeah, library. I would suggest going to your university IT um, office or something. Whoever would know like what resources you have access to. Yeah. And they could, or a librarian would be really helpful and they could help you find some articles and journals as well. Librarians love questions, Mm -hmm. right? That's what they get paid for. It's their whole job. They love resources. Yes. Mm -hmm. They will always, they will like, they'll point you in the right direction and sometimes they're like 10 directions that you never really thought about. And it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I know we have some, we've got a great team here. Some good librarians here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really, um, they really participate in um, medical education. In medical educa- yeah, exactly. So yeah, dude, I'm four, four years in and I'm still running, running into them on a semi-regular basis. So yeah, well, <laughs> I used it a lot. Yeah. Listener Jen wrote to the shortcodes at gmail.com with a question about your resolve to become doctors. Let's hear from Jen. Hi, Dave and Short Coats. I decided to send in an email so that you don't need to do planning for the show. Ha ha. Have any of the Short Coats ever felt doubts about pursuing medicine? Have they considered or tried other careers? How did they decide that medicine was what they wanted? I love the show. Keep up the great work. Thanks. You're welcome and thank you for saying a nice thing to us. Um... No, you guys have never had any doubts about your plan to become doctors. I'm a doubtless person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full of, <laughs> they're full of, uh, of 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 just optimism, uh, constant faith in your abilities, right? No. Sure. <laughs> just gonna say out there, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm good at lying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
I can talk about <laughs> this. Will basically just be like a short synopsis of my personal statement. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know Nick and I have like very different stories, so I feel like this is some good contrast. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm more of your like typical pre med track person, but I always kind of knew that I was drawn to healthcare just because of my mom being involved in healthcare. But in college, I really just kind of threw away my, like, I always wanted to be a doctor, but I wanted to start from scratch and really make sure I was researching all my options. So I shadowed a DO, PA, physical therapist, doctor, and a nurse all throughout undergrad. So I know that's still all healthcare, but I really wanted to make sure I was going into something that I was passionate about. But I had a lot of doubts, especially because when you go through this path, like path, you always come up to the self-doubt of, can I do this? Is this right? I think that's with any decision in life too. Like, it's a big decision. I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you're signing for, I mean, first of all, you're signing yourself up for a lot of work. This is the rest mm -hmm. of your life. It's yeah. not like you mm -hmm. can switch yeah. careers midway through. Well, you yeah. can, but. Ooh, Ooh well, yeah, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. Um, Speaking oh, of switching careers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nick, you've talked about on the show before how you yeah. uh, you didn't start off uh, thinking medicine was going to be what you did. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, used to work in uh, financial services and um, I, I wanted to do medicine early on. I just uh, struggled in, well... I, I had a lot of fun in college and struggled a bit yeah. in college. You and me both. Uh, yeah. I just never <laughs> stopped. <Yeah. laughs> I decided to get serious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, I, I realized I was in a career that I didn't love and uh, couldn't see myself doing it, you know, for the rest of my working years and really sat back and thought about, you know, what am I passionate about? What are the things I want to do with my life? And uh, what different course can I make? And and that led me here to medical school. So, what doubts have you had this past <laughs> semester? You're you're in your you've just completed your first semester recently. Yeah. You're beginning your second semester. What doubts have you had since you began? You're like completely like, oh no, this is where I got this. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you know the funny thing about medical school is uh, you can study like you know ten twelve hours a day for like two weeks and still have poor results <laughs> on an yeah. exam. And I don't know that that happens in undergrad. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that that might be some people's experience, but I'm going to guess that that's uh, relatively rare. So I think there's a lot of self-doubt in that, that when you put in all this time and you're still not getting the results that you either are used to or that you expect or that you want, mm -hmm. uh, that can be... There's not a really whole difficult. lot of... I just want to say, if you think it's bad right now, wait till you come oh, to clerkships. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm I, um, yeah, so a couple people, we counted up, like, we don't really have a textbook for our current unit. It's the lecture handouts are the textbook. And we counted the pages of all of the handouts that we needed to have learned memorized and applied in two weeks and it was a little over 300 pages yeah. and then if you count like the rest so like basically this test that we took this morning we needed to know 350 page textbook worth of material mastered to mm. do this test and i don't know you just you kind of get used to the pace 
But that's where the doubts come is because you can like put so much work, but eventually you just you just run out of time and you have to give yourself time to be a human and do all the other stuff for the other classes. So Mm -hmm. for me, the doubt comes when I'm like doing the best that I can and I realize that I'm still not going to quite reach my goals or expectations for myself. And but then I readjust those goals and expectations so it's just a constant like up and down of am I supposed to be here can I still do this next day oh yes little victory I wonder if doubt is it's just occurred to me it's probably a poorly formed thought but I wonder if doubt is just part of the process you know like like and it almost not I wouldn't not an intentional part of the process but a beneficial part of Mm. the process in Mm -hmm. some way um, I'm sure it could benefit from having it in less quantities, though. Just well, that's the thing. I mean, it level. seems like yeah, it seems like something that you could easily overdo. Yeah, yeah I but, do. But um, you know, I mean, I, I guess you could. I guess you, I'm, I'm making this shit up now. I guess you could argue that overconfidence is a problem. Yeah, and so if you are exposed to enough uh, or the optimal amount of doubt, then that could have the effect of you know keeping you humble. Yeah, I think it it helps you to reassess where you're at, too. You can look at, like, these were my expectations. It's pretty obvious that they were not, (laughs) Uh (laughs) you know, good expectations. Mm -hmm. So now, presented with new data, I can reevaluate, you know, where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that doubt can help Mm -hmm. in there. It can also paralyze you. And Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's good to have goals, but, like, I don't... It would be hard to motivate yourself to get through some of this stuff without goals. But when those goals aren't met exactly, and for everyone, it's different. Yeah. Um, so don't listen to other people, too. <laughs> um, yeah. mm-hmm. When they're, you just have to adjust and you have to say, okay, did I, at the end of the day, did I learn something? Am I still on the, on track to pass this class? Like, yeah. if you're in serious trouble, you know, you do need to seek out help, but. Am I still on track to do okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in this class, did I learn something? Am I taking care of myself? Am I studying in a way that's sustainable for the future? You know, just yeah. those kind of expectations. What were you gonna say, Aries? Oh, I was gonna say that, yeah, I do think that this not meeting not meeting what our goals originally were and having to constantly rework our goals, see mm-hmm. and see what's see what is valuable to us is probably just a huge part of medical school that perhaps like we don't teach outright, one of those hidden curriculum things. Yeah. If you think about it, all of us came here from the cream of crop backgrounds. We had the best grades, the best MCAT scores, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We used to being well, like Well not Nick. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <by> the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody mad. <laughs> yeah, he was. This was all yeah. right. Yeah, you was all right. You're okay. I was, I was fine, which, which is good. Yeah, but we're we're all used to having stood out as like cream to crop in some way, and now when you take all those people together, it's natural that some, now some of us are just average. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I I, I sometimes you know sometimes I say you know you got to redefine success mm-hmm. uh, when you come to med school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before you were used to you know, uh, a success being defined in terms of grades, um, things like that, that the, they, that may not be the best metric. <laughs> Definitely. Um, Four years in, I can say that that's absolutely true. <laughs> what do you, what are your sources of doubt when you 
when you get to clinics oh, these days. Mostly when I get to clinics. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, All of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I come from, a, maybe I come from a slightly different background than perhaps a lot of uh, my peers. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much like almost an entirely academic background, like studying for like mm-hmm. hours on end, like those, like those nitty gritty details and like the step one memorization, no problem. But once you put, um, but once you put me onto like more of a, more um, in a setting where there's not just knowledge, but a presentation of the knowledge and everything and everything else that comes with it, like more than just test taking, but like in clinic, do you look good while saying it? Exact, that kind of thing. Yeah, you have mm-hmm. to present yourself yeah. in a certain way. I'm not unprofessional or anything. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not. I I guess I just look anxious all the time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. For a lot of for a lot of times that comes off as oh she doesn't know what she's talking about or oh she's mm-hmm. terrified. It's like no, this is actually just my face normal facial expression. <laughs> <laughs> this is just how I look. Rather than <laughs> yeah. Um, RBF. It's like RAF. Resting anxious face. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, of course, I've definitely learned and gotten better at it, but there's also. St- there's so much that like class doesn't prepare you for that you have to perform well in clinics. Like, um, like someone like a situation that I was just recently in. Um, her husband was fine, but all of a sudden he just he stood up, he coded right there. Mm. It's like so we rush rives out of the room, wondering what's going on. The whole code blue team is there. We're trying to resuscitate the husband, and I'm there in the family room with the wife. What do you do then? Those are the kinds of things that like. We're not yeah, you, taught. Yeah, you didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no class on what to do in that specific yeah. situation. How to, right? I mean, te- oh, technically we have a hard discussions task. Yeah, but they, like, I mean, they, but that's come a on, little don't. different. That's yeah. very yeah. different from that from situation. Like, that, I mean, yeah. there's a the, you. There's like that like uncertainty right. that, that that's there. Like, yeah. I feel like we we do get taught how to give someone bad news, but this is just like a killing time with a family member oh. while things are, while things are, are going, going to shit. Blast. And, yeah. 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 But yeah, there's one thing to take the class and another there's to be that person who's like offering mm-hmm. tea and holding her hand in the family room. And mm-hmm. that's something that it doesn't necessarily prepare you for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real situations are very different than anything that yeah. they're going to present us with. Yeah. Or like you're working with this patient for so long, for like all four rotations. If you're last day on service, they, um, they unintubate him and he passes away. What yeah. then? Yeah. I think that's, I mean, it's, it's one re- like it's common for med students to, um, to bemoan taking clerkships that they don't quote unquote need mm. or, you know, doing, you know, basically what they, see uh, as busy work and and i look at it a little differently not having done it so (laughs) but i look at it a little differently in terms of like you're you need to you need to uh experience different environments different things different situations things that you can't really be prepared for Hmm. hopefully you will experience those uncomfortable situations um during a clerkship and it could be at a random time in a random place in a random way. I mean, nobody ever said Arisa, like we need to, uh, we need to teach Arisa something about, you know, hanging out with a family member while uh, a bunch of people work on um, their dying spouse. You know, that wasn't, Mm. that wasn't a specific objective. Um, But you quote unquote got to experience that. And I think that's a, that's a, it's a big deal and it's a way to overcome doubt. I mean, if you can go through these kinds of experiences and come out on the other side and feel like, okay, well, I, okay, I, I survived that. I, you know, yeah. that is so absolutely true. Like 
dude, this community clinicals have done so much stuff that I never thought I was even capable of. Like standing yeah. down, like standing, standing down a, a very, very angry person and holding your ground while still being polite and being able to de-escalate that situation. Mm. I think for me, it's mostly like being able to go around learning how to de-escalate situations, especially when people are not necessarily in their best, mm -hmm. in the best of times or the best of minds. Yeah. Like mm. if you had asked me, Irisa, Three years ago, would you have been able to done this? Like, oh no, I would break down crying. I would be so upset. Like, but no, I, I, I mean, of course, I was upset on the inside, but you rise to the yeah. occasion. Yeah, yeah, and I learned how too. I think another source of doubt comes from other people, and when they doubt you, mm -hmm. um, you know, like, uh, I think most most of the time, people are supportive. Um, and then you might get into say clinicals and you experience uh, a preceptor or a resident or whatever who, who expresses doubt about your plan or about your, um, your abilities or things like that. I don't think that's uncommon. Yeah. Um, and you, the yeah, doubt is usually expressed in a productive way, like things that you need to work on or whatever, but it can also be, it can also uh, feel more personal than that, mm -hmm. um, even if they don't mean it that way. It's a funny thing that me and one of my um, one of my classmates were just discussing some of their clinical experiences and the um, some of the lessons lesson supportive events that they've encountered in their medical school career, which I will not detail here for um, for obvious reasons. But yeah. Don't get me wrong, the vast majority of residents and preceptors are, are decent people, are caring people. Some are even excellent teachers, people who really want to teach. But at any institution, not just Carver, but any institution you go to, you're always going to have those residents who, um, who you are a waste of time for or mm. who, unfortunately, residency is a hard time. And sometimes they, it's possible for people to deal with that stress by taking it out on other people. Yeah. Especially mm -hmm. for the people who um, can't necessarily say anything, like the medical student. So, where whatever institution you're at, you're gonna you're gonna run up against that. And you know, I I, I like to say that when you experience those things, um, the the best thing you can do is treat it as a as another learning situation. Like some people mm -hmm. exist to teach you how not to be. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, um, oh my god! I I can thinking about some. I can definitely agree with that. But thank. But I would also like to say, put out a plug to our counseling services. They are so available <laughs> yeah. and they are so um so easy to get in contact with. So if you ever run into any of these situations on clerkship, I please don't hesitate to make an appointment. Yeah. Well, I uh, hope we've helped Jen. Um, let us know uh, how things go for you and uh, whether you experience any doubts. Uh, you can write to us again at theshortcoats.gmail.com. I'd love to hear back from you or anybody else. You know what's better than a poke in the eye with a sharp stick? Podcast merch. And you know what's better than filling a podcaster's pockets when he doesn't need the money? Podcast merch that does something good. When you buy our t-shirts at theshortcoats.com slash store, every dollar we make will be given to charity. Spring 2019's charity is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Get your SEPT and bring some light into the world at theshortcoat.com slash store. We haven't talked about it much on the show before. And let me say that if the Shortcoat Podcast is your sole source of news, you must <laughs> reevaluate how you're living your life. But there are now several measles outbreaks going on in the U.S. Mm. and in other countries as well. Yeehaw! Yeah, Clark County, Washington is in the news a lot lately for this problem. They've got 50 confirmed cases of measles since just since January 1. 
Uh, on the 18th of January, the county declared a public health emergency. Now, the blame for this all seems to fall on families who don't vaccinate their children. And in Clark County, only 76.5% of kindergartners have been fully vaccinated in the 2017-2018 school year, which is wow. far below mm-hmm. what What's experts the, consider necessary. What's the percentage considered necessary? 95. Uh, yeah. 90, <laughs> 92, 95. Mid-90s, I knew it was in the 90s, yeah. but I was yeah. not sure. So that's falling far, far short of the goal. Yeah. Um, luckily, suddenly everyone's like, holy shit, vaccinations are cool AF. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also up yours, Andrew Wakefield. Uh, vaccination yeah. rates have jumped 500% in that county and 30% in Washington state. So I guess uh, Jenny McCarthy is losing her grip on the Northwest United States. Um, so there, there are uh, three... Out ongoing outbreaks of measles in the U.S. Uh, also, New York and New York State are enjoying their share. And there have been documented cases in eight other states of this disease that in the early 2000s was considered vanquished. Mm. So, um, I just like, oh, everybody's like, oh, wait. I, you know, maybe vaccinations are a good idea. <laughs> maybe. And I just, hear me out, honey. Maybe. Jenny McCarthy didn't know what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't know if she's an anti-vaxxer, but you know. Oh, yeah. I'm sure she Same is. Same idea. Probably. Maybe Gwyneth Paltrow. It would fit within her. Maybe Kat Von D, the makeup mogul, has a f- yeah. beep up her beep what? and her beep. <laughs> what? Maybe they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not just that. Maybe my doctor okay. knows what they're mm-hmm. talking about. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, Maybe. I studied abroad in the Dominican Republic and a couple of the teachers of our class were Dominican doctors and we were having a discussion. It was kind of like a medicine and society type Mm -hmm. class Um, and we were having a discussion and one of my fellow classmates from the U.S. um, asked, so like, what do you guys do about like if people like don't want to vaccinate their children and the doctor just yeah, looked at us yeah. and la- at her, and she was like, "What do you mean?" Yeah, and it, it was just like, no. and so we're like, "Okay, well, like in the U.S. right now, there's this like anti-vaccination movement, and like she had not heard of it, and she's like, that doesn't make any sense, and it just really opened my eyes to the privilege that we have in the U.S. Um, of like most of my generation hasn't seen." like huge outbreaks of a lot of these really terrible diseases. So you just take it for Mm -hmm. granted. And this person, this doctor in the Dominican Republic, that wave, the vaccination wave, like hit them a little bit later. And so they have seen so many children and people die from a lot of these very preventable diseases. And so just that like really upset her. That's a really good point, actually. And something that that I, I, I guess I hadn't really thought about was that it's been a while for us yeah mm-hmm. um you know and and so we've we've sort of allowed the you know now we think of measles as like a disease where you get little spots and yeah and you, just you know sick for a little while, sick for a little while and, then and then you're good yeah but uh, it's marvelous um and you know <laughs> like I, I think probably few lay people realize how contagious measles mm-hmm. is i mean mm-hmm. what it, i was listening to npr and i the statistic i heard was that you know, ninety percent of people that be, that come in contact with somebody with measles will be infected if yeah. they're not immunized. If they're not immunized, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but even I, I think that the vaccine—I uh, can't remember its effectiveness—but it's not as effective as 
other vaccines that we have. So uh, even if you are vaccinated, you still have a yeah. reasonable risk of. But that's the point of mm-hmm. that's the point of vaccination is not just to protect you, but to protect everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know this. Yeah. Um, I'd rather have a like a I'd rather have a low chance of getting measles than a high chance of getting measles. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. it makes a lot of sense. Um, and the effects of measles uh, yeah. are not just you know. Well, I mean, for many people, they are, uh, it, it's not a major sickness, but for a number of people, not a few, not a, not a very small number of people, they can, it can have devastating effects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it ain't nothing to fool around with. And finally, we're figuring that out. I, mm-hmm. there, yeah. there was this thing going around on the internet recently. I don't know if it's old or, or new. <laughs> going around the internet. <laughs> or or on, on the Facebook. And it, and it was mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I'm, I'm a mother of a three-year-old and everybody in my, in, in Washington is getting measles and what kind of essential oils can I, can I, what kind of oils can I take to protect, or how can I protect my child from, my unvaccinated child from measles? Oil of MMR. People are like, are you, uh, vaccinate your child? (laughs) How about that? But guys, this is, this is what we're up against. (laughs) That's true. I mean, I don't like to consider any, I'm not going to say that anyone's like an enemy of medicine because at the end we all have everyone's best interests at heart, no matter where we come from. But, oh, wow, this is what you're going to be dealing with. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I had a lady who was like, um, who was, she was using essential oils to treat her AFib, which seemed harmless um, until you realized she was chugging the oil. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Even Ew. people who make oils will tell you. that. Ew. What do they taste yeah. like? I don't know. Probably lemony. Did you ask? They're so con. They're supposed to be constant. Well, I guess she could have like mixed it with something, but like I don't even know how that bleach. Would be pleasant. I think <laughs> what you want to mix essential oils with just cleans the insides yeah. right out. Yeah, don't yeah, don't just, do that. Yeah, don't disclaimer. My, don't my, say that. Our, our lawyers just stepped in and said, "Yeah, hey Dave, don't don't say things like that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, you know, part of me thinks you know there's probably uh, uh, many different reasons why vaccination has, uh, there are many different reasons why vaccination has become a problem in the U S but I'm wondering, you know, the poor hypodermic needle, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure it revolutionized medicine when it, when it was invented. Um, but nobody loves getting shots, right? Well, some people are really into, well, um, I, I, I have not met those people, but do you have a concrete example name you'd like to give out of somebody who loves getting shots? Um, no, my I keep my cli- my clients are under strict confidentiality. Uh. Uh, yeah, I mean whether you just need the occasional vaccination or a regular insulin injection, it's it's kind of seen as a necessary evil, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you know it wouldn't surprise me to know that this dislike of being poked by sharp things plays a subconscious role in in anti vaccination in this anti-vaccination yeah. crisis. I mean, it's just one more thing like, you know, I You're hate putting a foreign substance yeah, into my yeah. body, directly injecting it into my veins. Well, perhaps the good folks at MIT <laughs> and Harvard can help. They've developed an injector contraption that fits into a pill. You swallow it and it fires a tiny dart of solid insulin into the wall of the stomach. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> so what the f- how does that help anything? Uh, it, well, I mean, first of all, uh, you get your your the lining of your stomach itself is a pretty tough thing. It's got to withstand a lot of yeah. abuse. Yeah. Um, and you don't apparently you don't feel it. Although um, I don't think they've uh, they've they're so far it's only been tested in pigs, so I'm not really sure. How <laughs> yeah, how do pigs tell them? Hey, didn't feel a thing. Uh, but its shape anyway is interesting. It's uh, so the problem is, you know, how do you ensure that the dart of solid insulin uh, is fired into the right place? Well, the shape of this. 
device is modeled after uh, leopard tortoise shells, which have evolved to mm. allow them to more easily write themselves if they're upside down. Yeah, and also weebles, the uh, self-writing <laughs> toys that you may remember from your childhood. They're, they're, they've got sort of an off-center uh, uh, center of mass, and they've got a nice shape that, that uh, writes them uh, if they're upside down. It allows it to position itself to fire the dart in the right direction. Um, and it has been proven that it can deliver, in, at least in pigs, a useful dose of insulin into an empty pig tummy. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's certainly some remarkable engineering. And especially yeah. to make everything on a, one safe for the um, pig body and also on such a small scale. That's, that's kudos. Yeah, it looks cool. <laughs> it does. It's like a, it looks like a little weeble wobble. Yeah. But on the other hand, telling someone to swallow this exploding dart... That it doesn't explode. <laughs> it's got a little little spring. Are we having very different mental images of what this thing looks like? I did. I, I did get to look at a, at, yeah, at a diagram. There's a picture. They're like a little. They're little guys. And then mm. if you a, can if you can swallow a, a, a vitamin uh, that's like you know the size of my fist. Mm. Well, okay, you can't do that, but. You know. That's what you think. I was trying to picture, like, can I do that? You know how, yeah. big, so. you know how big some vitamins are, though. Like, yeah. especially if I don't know what it is about the, vitamins. Those prenatal vitamins. Some, I, yeah, I don't. I have I, a couple of kids. I don't understand. Do you guys know anything about um, about making pills? Because I don't understand why you know if you've Didn't got go like to pharmacy school. Well, you can get like uh, a one pill that's like five milligrams, and it's the size of my arm, and then another <laughs> milligram is like another pill is like five hundred milligrams, and it's like this teeny microscopic mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get yeah. it. Well, milligrams is a measure of mass, not not a volume or density. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that is true, and I now feel too dumb. No, I, did, I didn't mean that in a dumb, dumb patronizing way. I'm just saying that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, it's true. Look, I don't mind. I don't mind being brought up short by, oh, my, by my foolishness. Yeah, but you, I think he's asking like, why? Why? Is the volume? Yeah, why can't yeah. we pack it in? Why does it need mm -hmm. to be so? I don't know. Maybe it has to do with absorption. Yeah, it it does. You it's know, probably chemistry. Yeah. As as you may have learned in one of our first classes, is like we have a lot of different formulations of pills. Like now we have those micro pills that like have lots of dot, lots of pills inside a bigger pill. There's someone that there's some that um some combinations that are more fat soluble that are more water soluble, and it's just this time big, release giant headaches. Yeah, I was like what the heck? Mm -hmm. And also then there's some pills that are. Have you ever pooped? Have you ever pooped out a vitamin pill? I know this is kind of a personal question, but <laughs> no. has anyone ever looked down and into the toilet and saw a whole vitamin pill and realized you just swallowed it for nothing? Yeah, that's unfortunate. What? No, how does that even possible? Wait, no. Do you have? I a, haven't. Do you have? I, don't I don't really... regularly take okay. vitamins. <laughs> okay, never mind. I, I think we've discovered a new thing. <laughs> no, <never mind. laughs> this is the the Mahapan uh, principle. Yeah, if your digestive tract is shorter than an inch and a half you might shit out <laughs> vitamin pills this is no i have a i have do you no have a very short digestive tract no i have a very healthy microbiome too okay okay but that's wait a, that's you that's guys a, never never oh yeah i don't really take vitamins corn <laughs> everybody everybody knows about corn yeah yeah but yeah there's just different ways of formal you, know, you have to formulate the compounds that one it's absorbable by the body two it's in small of container and three it is shelf stable so it doesn't go bad in when a temperature goes one degree above 70 or something like yeah. that which mm. is a headache university of california san diego researchers have another swallowable swallowable injector <laughs> idea they thought to themselves let's put a tiny rocket in you <laughs> Uh, so this sounds more like what 
Th- this you were picturing. Yeah, this is about the size of a grain of sand. So you know, okay. but it gets its rockety powers from magnesium, mm. which uh, reacts to uh, bodily goo and makes bubbles that propel it into the small intestine. Uh, once it gets there, a coating dissolves. It sticks to the intestinal walls, or it drops off whatever it's carrying. Maybe a vaccine, something like that. Mm. Cool. Um, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Just picturing this little rocket shooting through your yeah. It kind of reminds me of the Magic School Bus episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where the bus, the bus strings down and comes uh, with a tiny, like a, tiny Mrs. Frizzle. Yeah, yeah. Frizzle. 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 Yeah, and Arnold and Arnold swallows it with like soda or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then you that's one of my favorite yeah. episodes. Yeah, same. <laughs> I watched it during the GI unit in the fall. Oh, did it help? No, <laughs> maybe mental health. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's something to be said. Yeah. For, I dressed for up as Ms. Frizzle for for Halloween this year. One year, yeah. Oh, Pixar, it didn't happen. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> so far, phone. so so far, they've only tested the uh, the rocket thing in mice. So it's got cool. it's got a ways to go, but yeehaw. You know, uh, medical schools are generally reluctant to offer up Wikipedia as a source of knowledge mm. for med students, but uh, one recent study found that it is superior in a few ways and suggests that it is a, quote, potential role in medical education. Um, The study recruited Canadian preclinical students and randomized them into three groups, those who would use up-to-date digital textbooks and Wikipedia. Uh, They were given a pretest of 25 questions, uh, which is similar, the the questions are similar to those on Canada's licensing exam. And they were allowed to take notes on topics to research during the exam. Then they then used their assigned resource to do some studying. And then they took the same test over again. The Wikipedia group scored higher on the post-test than the digital textbook group. And uh, I assume up to date. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure uh, what role Wikipedia would then have. in, But you guys are studying medicine. What? What do you use Wikipedia for? Because <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> CV. <laughs> no, I, I mostly use up to date, but sometimes up to date is just so annoying. Or so sometimes it's easier to go. I think Wikipedia is easier starting place yeah. than other things. And they still have like, I don't know. It's just at least nice, like a good first pass through the information, yeah. and then you can like fact check yourself. With I don't think anybody's arguing resources. that Wikipedia should be the the source of knowledge. Yeah. Although there mm-hmm. there there is apparently a I don't know if a, a cabal of physicians who have taken it upon themselves to make sure that um, the information in Wikipedia is is pretty good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I think I use it a lot when I'm like there's a topic that I know I should know. Like there's there's something I know something, something I should like know basic and I, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. So I just like, you know, Google it real quick, pull up the Wikipedia article. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember what this or is. Like, and what even it does. just like anatomical like yeah. names and stuff, because that's pretty like we've known about the names of nerves and muscles and stuff for yeah. a really long time. So mm-hmm. if you just need like a really quick refresher. Like, oh, I can't remember what nerve goes here. Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I think the great. Uh, and, and this article bore it out. The great benefit of Wikipedia is is um, hyperlinking. So many, you know, like mm-hmm. textbooks just didn't seem to, in this study, didn't seem to have um, uh, as many hyperlinks uh, in them. Um, and, you know, the the that and the search capabilities as well is, is, 
is terrific in Wikipedia. So mm -hmm. I think these are all things that probably digital textbooks could, you know, learn from. Yeah, especially the search function part. Yeah. yeah. Um, up to date did score better for expert editing and references than Wikipedia did. And you know how many times you run across like, you know, citation needed or mm -hmm. things like that in Wikipedia. Um, Madeline, you found another article though that said something slightly different, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was like, the first article came across my Facebook feed. Mm -hmm. And so when I was looking for that, I found this other article and these are like slightly conflicting results. So yeah, the, the, the article, the other article you found, um, it, the, uh, said that, uh, those, uh, Wikipedia pages that represent the 10 most costly medical condition in the conditions in the U S contain many errors as compared to peer reviewed sources. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I, I guess the, you know, the, the message of use Wikipedia as a starting point, but don't take it as gospel is mm -hmm. still definitely yeah. uh, still definitely a good idea. Yeah, but we're not supposed to take anything at gospel nowadays, so it's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, even some faculty are like, oh, up to date, don't use up to date. Really? Yeah. For... for, for yeah. Really? Uh -huh. I thought up to date mm -hmm. was the thing. That's what I thought, but no, some faculty don't like you using it. I've heard some people say that it's like, bias towards like the physician who like wrote that particular like review because it's still it's not like primary source still sure you know that review mm -hmm. of whatever like might be biased towards their practice i don't know mm. it's, it's hard. hard how would you like like you can never like you know when you're making decisions it's really hard to be like okay now i'm going to consult a primary source yeah i would imagine that's really mm -hmm. difficult to do time consuming and I mean, mm -hmm. you have yeah. To, yeah and then even if you go to like a study or whatever like you can't base your thoughts on just one study right. too right and so i don't know it's just yeah. you gotta like always be look for those retrospective diversity studies, of resources yeah. yeah and once you find it and if you find a good article it says wow this answers my exact question the exact way that one it's someone's gonna swoop and says actually the problems with these studies are <laughs> xyz so it's invalid i'm like oh, what hmm well, you know. Nothing's valid. Everything's a lie. Okay. That's right. Practice makes perfect, guys. And one of the things that everyone needs more practice on is answering patient questions with a straight face. So let's visit the saddest place on earth nah. to find some courtesy. <gasps> My house. Of Yahoo. <laughs> courtesy <laughs> of Yahoo Answers. Are we ready to uh, answer some patient questions? We sure let's are. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Here's our first question. Are ribs replaced after open heart surgery? Uh, I <laughs> Who wants to take this one? Replaced. <laughs> where, where they were, so there's there's two ways to take this question. Uh, are they put back where they uh, came from, <laughs> or yeah. are they replaced with like Other. maybe some high tech ribs, some like bionic ribs, yes. <laughs> <laughs> bionic ribs, prosthetic ribs? Yeah, yeah. Are ribs replaced? I would Do assume it? they're. Put Just back down back and then allowed to heal on their own. Yeah. Any what? What are your insights into uh, open heart surgery? Um, I especially because I really love working with the geriatric, pop, geriatric population. Um, we actually see a lot of post -heart, open heart surgery patients, and you can tell who those are. But on X-ray, they have little screws and wires holding the sternum in place. Yes. So it's not. Cool. During open heart surgery, they go through the sternum, so it's not like they're cracking off each rib one by one individually. Yes, they don't mm -hmm. spread the whole rib cage <laughs> open, yeah. right? Yeah. They try to go in through as small a hole as possible. They don't yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So we're actually going through, through just cu- like cutting through the sternum and going through there. So the answer to that question would actually be, um, well, we don't actually need to replace your ribs per se because it's not like we're taking them out or breaking them or anything. But yes, we do need to close up your chest again with um, with wires and stuff afterwards. I think if you, I think the interesting answer to this question would have been no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. We don't replace the ribs. We're just going to leave you without Because <laughs> they don't you keep get your, taken out. Just, but, but you don't you even say that. Ones. Just say, no. That, oh, <laughs> they don't is, get replaced. Is, I love my surgical colleagues, but that is such a certain answer. And then you wonder why the, planet, the patient's in a panic and doesn't want the operation anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. some surgeons just, yeah, we'll put you to sleep. And they didn't, yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> um, all right. Next question. That was, that was well done, Arisa. Very yeah, well done. good job. Oh, thank uh, you. Next. See, I did learn something in four years. <laughs> Has anyone ever used cider vinegar to cure pink eye? Oh, that sounds no! horrible. Oh. I, I, have, I have a very relevant story to this. Actually. Oh, really? Oh, good. I'm, I'm curious. Oh, yeah. No, it, oh, it's not that bad. It oh. just happened last night. I was giving myself a... Okay, so, okay. <laughs> so timely. No, no, but seriously, seriously, just happened last night. And that's why my eye kind of hurts today. But anyways, I was giving myself like a 50% lactic acid peel, like a full body peel, like literally everywhere. Uh-huh. And then I was stepping in the shower to um, to wash all the lactic acid off. I dripped, um, I accidentally, um, I had some on the back of my hand naturally. So I just wiped my eye with it. Uh, oh God, it hurts so bad. Lactic acid in your eye. 50%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds uh, terrible. Yeah, but thankfully I, don't think I was you were trying to, anyways. I don't yeah. think you were trying to cure pink eye with it. I mean, this is an accidental exposure. <laughs> I thought you were going to yeah. say that you had pink eye last night. And I was like, ah. It's gone well, today, though. Oh, no. Yeah. I, certainly, I did, certainly did have a red eye little, last night. <laughs> little it was a pink acid eye, oil. but it wasn't pink mm-hmm. eye. Uh, what is pink Sorry. eye? Pink eye is a bacterial infection, I think, right? Bacterial yeah. or viral. Oh, more, could be viral. More, mm-hmm. more often viral. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. And if you... Uh, I mean, there's, I guess there's, again, there's two ways to interpret this question. I mean, are they talking about uh, uh, drinking cider vinegar or are they talking about dripping it directly into the eye? Yeah. If it's in the eye, that's bad. If you want to drink it, go for it. Uh, Yeah. I mean, sure. (laughs) But then the other part of the question is to cure pink eye. Yeah. No, no. (laughs) No one's ever cured pink eye with cider vinegar. What is it with cider vinegar? Everybody's drinking cider vinegar these days it just sounds nice i guess yeah. people like to yeah you're supposed to get the cloudy kind it's ferment because it means it's ferment yeah. oh yeah. Have, has anybody ever have you i've never drunk cider vinegar oh. is it is it at all tasty um well i i don't drink apple cider vinegar but i do drink korean drinking vinegar does that count there's drinking vinegar yeah well that's you right. better bring that next week <laughs> well sure if you <laughs> bring that bring some of that it's just like a nice fizzy summer treat is it alcoholic nice. or is it not? no yeah. no it's not alcoholic okay. oh. well then don't bring it um, <laughs> <laughs> all right here's another here's another I, I think the answer to this question is no uh, no. no no one's ever done let's that. just say no let's just say no ahead of time all right here's uh, another question um is water poison i got sink water up my nose is that poison <laughs> <laughs> is water is, is that, it can be a poison yeah look at flint yeah is yeah. that poison yeah uh, yeah you can general, have a bunch of lead in it and it would we're be made you. up of like 75 percent water or something like that so yeah. i would hope the water's not poison well, is the sink water poison though can you i think it depends on where you live yeah you can have very very poor water quality well there was yeah. that, there was that case of the woman who uh got the brain eating amoeba yeah. from her neti pot which was taken straight from tap water so yeah, so maybe yep. if this person lives somewhere, because that's usually in the South, right? Mm, brain, I don't know where it was. Amoeba, yeah. Amoebas. 
Uh, so maybe if they live somewhere in the south and uh, they're snorting water, uh, I don't, that, that, that's well, unhealthy. I don't know if it's, you know, it's not, <laughs> water isn't poison. But you drink enough of it, you'll definitely is, die. Yeah, I mean, everything is dose dependent. Yeah, yeah, right? And, and yeah. if you breathe enough of it people, in, <laughs> you'll die. People have, right. people have also died from water drinking contests. Yeah, too. Like water intoxication, that hold yeah. a wee for a wee thing. When I, yes, yeah. When I uh, when I get really when I get a chest infection, I have this fantasy, um, and I shared this <laughs> with uh, I shared this with Chris Cooper and and uh, Dave Asprey. These are our deans here in the student affairs office. Uh, I shared this with them, and they were like, <laughs> "But anyway, I have this fantasy that I would just stick my face in a in a sink full of water and just breathe it in, and then breathe it out, <laughs> and it would clear out all of the crap in my <laughs> chest." And they would they and they both looked at each other and turned back to me and said something to the effect of yeah that would uh <laughs> that would fix the problem <laughs> what? you might not live but it would fix the problem yeah uh, oh yeah i oh, can't gosh. be good you don't think that would uh yeah okay well, well <laughs> we do use like humidified air sometimes to just loosen up the mucus in cf patients so yeah yeah does that Never mind, that's not even... No, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not quite the same, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you do you, Dave. All right. <laughs> but don't do that in case, because we like having you around. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. That's nice. Uh, let's, uh, here's another question we got here. Is it about herpes? No. Darn. Not this time. Running my fingers across blanket, see tons of sparking bolts of static electricity in the dark. <laughs> How to remove unhealthy static from self? Unhealthy static? <laughs> I like how... That sentence, sentence in quotes. Um, yeah, yeah. This is a this is a running my fingers across blanket. This is a common <laughs> sentence construction on Yahoo Answers. Yeah, uh, but we're not here to critique people's people's right. ridiculous grammar. Yeah, because yeah. we don't English good in the first place. That's right. I'll say my daughter loves that. Yeah, static in the dark. Is she helping? in her bed? Is she yeah. all right? Yeah, she's good. Is she. It's, it's not unhealthy. Has she become? She thinks it's really cool watching it. <laughs> um and yeah when you? she like touches something it removes all of it so yeah. just touch ground yourself touch something metal I think, <laughs> like, you'll be fine what if you'll get shocked what if uh this person uh who see sees tons of sparking bolts of ele static electricity what if they become a superhero because of their exposure to all this electricity <laughs> Ooh, then i'd want their autograph yeah yeah Maybe uh, don't look at it as a bad thing, dude. <laughs> yeah. Just like stroke it's up that blanket. Unhealthy. Yeah, there's literally a who superhero called Static Shock. Yeah, there I you did, go. I did not know that, but oh, there's plenty of examples. Beep, of like, beep, 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 beep. is that a theme song there? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that this this answer is uh, interesting. I don't know if they're being serious or not. Uh, this is a real issue according to this person, because people <laughs> think real. that static electricity is harmless, but the truth is the static electricity in the long run leads, yield, uh, leads to joint pain in the knees. Oh, this happens terrible. if you ground the static electricity from your body to the ground through your legs, that is by stepping barefoot on the floor. <laughs> Instead, you should ground your static electricity to the ground by touching both your hands to the ground. <laughs> Usually, most static electricity is generated through the, throughout the night when we are sleeping in bed. So, in the morning when we wake up, we must first touch both our hands to the <laughs> onto the floor <laughs> and take blessings from the Mother Earth. <laughs> By this way, we are respecting the Mother Nature as well as we are grounding the static electricity generated in our body. I'm getting a nice stretch out of it. Hope you will find out more. And almost falling out of bed. Yeah. Hope you will find out more about this from your further curiosity and research. 
I that can't tell if this is like epic trolling or like <laughs> it's gotta be trolling. That's, somebody that's, who, mm-hmm. who that's good feels that this is a true thing. You know what? You can humidify the air and touch yeah. something metal and wear fewer synthetics and you'll be just fine. All right, let's try uh let's try one more. Can you hydrate yourself through the anus? No. Yes. Oh, oh, that okay. <laughs> there's a uh, and, and then there's a related question. Um <laughs> If you and a partner are stuck in the desert with no water, any fluids or nutrition, and your partner is deathly constipated, like about to die, you are a male. Would it be the correct course of action to pee in their butthole if you had no other devices to collect the fluid and squirt it in this manner? Wait. Okay, so there's a couple problems. (laughs) There's a couple problems. Okay. Um, I mean, I get that you're desperate. You're in the desert. You're, that per, other person's probably dehydrated too, so their pee wouldn't be any Constipated good. is <laughs> the problem here that we've not dehydrated. <laughs> I originally thought I when I copied just... when I copied this question down, in my head I was seeing dehydrated. But the real problem is that they're constipated. Which relates to dehydration. Oh. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that is true. That's a good point. Okay. If we can address the first question, though, um, I'm not sure we could call it hydration, but actually you can absorb water through mm. the rectum, and that can actually lead to um, deadly hyponatremia. Oh. This is why we, um, in procedures such as like a TERP, especially when you're irrigating a lot of the tissue, you have to be very, very careful to be monitoring the heart and be monitoring the sodium. Uh. And this is how someone died from a coffee enema once. Ah, Hyponatremia. Okay, well. Sounds terrible. I I mean, the average volume of urine, is that likely to to happen? Oh, schnoen. Yeah, okay. Um, (laughs) Here's my favorite answer uh, to this question. Yes, but the anal taste buds are not so advanced. (laughs) Are not so advanced as the ones on the other end of the body. So any flavored hydration is not going to have a pleasant taste. On the other hand, with practice, you might be able to chug a gallon anally with ease, whereas you could never do such a thing drinking by mouth. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) These are the questions I, these are the questions I myself have had, you know, and I'm glad to finally have them, have them answered. So is the the consensus you can might not be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. But that, why? But wouldn't be hydration. You're in the desert, man. All you've got is pee. And it, all you've got is pee and a and a pee, and a thing to eject the pee with. <laughs> you know. You know that just raises even more ask questions and needs answers. Bu- needs must as the devil drives, or whatever that that uh, uh, phrase is that I've mangled. I'm there. sure it is, Dave. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I think it's needs must when the devil drives. Anyway, that is our show. Arisa, wow. uh, Nick, Madeline. Thank you for, oh, it's a picture of you dressed as Miss Frizzle. <laughs> Found it. That's awesome. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining me on the show this week. Yep. Yeah. Glad to be here. It was good. Did, nobody, ever <laughs> does, nobody ever does that. Right. <laughs> and thank you listeners for making us part of your week. If you like what you heard today, why not subscribe? You can benefit from our habit of answering listener questions and we will do it in a less sarcastic way 
than the Yahoo Answers question. So send them to uh, the shortcuts at gmail.com or reach out on social media, or you can leave us a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. And don't forget to visit theshortcode.com and buy some merch for charity. If we made you smile or gave you something to think about today, right now, while your podcast app is open, give us some stars and a review. It's been a while. It's an easy way. It's an easy way to be a friend of the short code, and it helps us know we're doing the right thing. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine, Student Government, and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox, and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week. <laughs> <laughs>